Welcome to Full Metal RPG. I'm Richie Buzzkill. And boy, is it nice in Arizona right now. <laughs> it is the it is just one of those times of year where it just like everything settles down and we get into the 80s and everybody in the rest of the country is like you guys are still in the 80s. And then my friend here Kyle, who is also in Arizona, knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Kyle, welcome to the show, Kyle. Hi, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, the other day, my fiance basically walked to me after it was like super windy and said, it's really nice outside. And I just stood outside and I took it in for a couple of minutes. Yeah. <laughs> once the dust storm rolls through the haboob, once the haboob rolls through and all the <laughs> dust settles and the uh, and you take down your 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 uh, still suit mask and you can just like <laughs> breathe in that cleaned air from all the dust being blown away and the the temperature has dropped if you know 10 to 20 degrees because the humidity changed like five percent it's fantastic it, it it's not like uh, uh arrakis at all we we, we don't <laughs> need the still suits at all times a year yet 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 <laughs> well kyle is a fellow podcaster. I met him through a, uh, a Patreon has these like clubs for creators. And I was silly enough to like try to volunteer to run one. So if you're a RPG podcaster, get at me. Maybe I can add you to this uh, discord for RPG podcasters. But Kyle is one of those people. He was very active. And Kyle, tell, tell us about your, your show here real quick. Yeah, I am Kyle. I am from Quest Friends. With an exclamation point. With an exclamation point. Thank you for uh, for noting that. Some podcatchers don't notice it if you don't put in the exclamation point. Um, it's an actual play podcast. We'll talk more about it later, but me and my best friends, we, we tell some stories, we have some laughs, and our current season is in a cartoony world inspired by cartoons like The Owl House and Gravity Falls. Fair enough. And, and uh, we you have to make a lot of NPCs for an actual play. And Absolutely. that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. NPCs, creation, running them, organizing them, whatever you do. I'm more of a, 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 a on the fly creator. Like I just, and I try to have just like a list of names and I'm like, that is now the most important NPC in this entire game. <laughs> I've just made on the fly. I didn't even give him a name. And then, yeah, I got caught with my pants down the other day. Cause I was like, I swear I had a, a list of names around here somewhere. And I was creating a, a union boss uh, for a space station where they were about to have a, 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 a workers of the outer planets unite meeting. And, I had to go quickly Google a name generator. <laughs> names aren't names are not my strong suit. I'm trying to think of the improvised NPCs I've done. I'm pretty sure most of them are like the knife throat lady or uh, the macaroni child because I just <laughs> didn't give them names, but it was a child with a macaroni drawing. He actually got a name. It was Barry because that was the only name I could think of offhand. <laughs> Yes. And, and, and name, I think a name can shape an NPC. Oh yeah. A lot. Right. That's like the, um, that we're, we're really seeing, you know, like that's why I kind of tend towards getting a list that's kind of curated for a specific time period or, uh, or from a certain era to try and like, and it will eventually inform the description well clearly Ra uh racing uh was you know this that looked like this and sounded like this and i don't also pro tip top tip buzzkill tip don't do a voice don't do a voice because you will regret it exactly 30 seconds later because you'll be like what voice did i use for that character now you may <laughs> you may have a different experience than me, Kyle, but I have definitely gone. Wait, 
which character used the southern British accent and the other one used the Irish accent and then there's the lilting guy and then it's like shit I only have like 12 accents <laughs> I don't so we there's that's actually something we can segue in too but I don't necessarily think not having a voice early on is um or not remembering a voice is necessarily a bad thing I have listened to episodes of Quest Friends. Um, I mean, I edit it, but I was like, one "You're of the, forced to listen to." <laughs> one of the parts of listening, especially when you pull, like I pull previously clips, is that I'll notice that even voices I think were consistent will change over time. But that's how it is for for everything. You listen to a lot of cartoons; there are major characters who will just change their voices. On uh, the TV show Amphibia, Hot Pop. Sounds completely different, uh, see uh, episode one versus other episodes. And even other characters will have gradual growth as time go on, goes on. And you'll notice it's either right after the pilot, because they've had time to think about it, or it's after about a season or two. That's when characters will actually cement their final voices. But up until that point, even professional voice actors, the voice they're giving actually changes sometimes very minorly sometimes very drastically um that being said i do full-heartedly agree that voice is not the only way to signify a character's importance and i do think we overinflate that as important well i think especially we'll call it the post crit critical uh role world with all these voice actors like integrating <laughs> into the into the the fabric of what we do no matter how much we want to ignore it as those people that are not fans of that show not including you Kyle uh I don't know what your opinion is but I know a lot of a lot of my friends are not a fan of that show uh that has infiltrated into the thought process on how you create an npc and I think you're better off. I mean, if they have some voice pattern or something else that's not just like changing your voice, like I'm gonna get to, is is a better. But really, why do we create NPCs? Because we need them. <laughs> but why do we create too many to where we talk to each other? That's also fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I got a couple of things that I think are interesting for NPCs. Is it all right if I jump into one go, that I think is a bit related it. to voice? Go for it. So I do think you hit on something interesting that we could go into further, but I will just mention now and then move on, which is that a lot of people think of voice as like voice, you know, like, I'm going to be the gruff gravelly guy now. Oh, um, but it's not just changing that. It is things like patterns of speech. For example, I'm going to do the sa- I'm going to be the same rough gravelly guy, but I'm not going to go oh ho. I am a different character because I don't that guy goes oh ho and I just go like that's an extreme case, but a lot of way a lot of people don't like if I speak like I do now or if I just speak super quickly and like kind of rattle through everything as quickly as I can, those, if you keep them consistent, can be very, can be different characters, especially because a lot of your NPCs are not going to be very more than one note. And we'll get to that again later. But the thing I wanted to talk about, you're going to hear me say, we'll get to that later a lot, was something I once learned in improv, which gave four ideas for creating characters. And I think they're helpful both for creating characters on the fly, but also for uh, kind of getting out of your head with voice as the only signifier. And the four things were voice, pose, animal, and object. Uh, And they basically said when you start a scene, you should come in with one of those things. So yeah, you could come in and be like, I don't know, I'm going to just do this voice. Oh, and figure out your character from that. Or you could come in with a pose. Uh, you know, if you're podcasting, your audience might not see the pose. But the thing is, all the other aspects, uh, the four things I mentioned, except for maybe animal, 
will come to you. You get into a specific character, you'll start acting like them. So even if the audience can't see if, you know, let's say I pick a character and I'm just going to sit straight upright and cross my arms. The audience can't see that in a, in a podcast form, but the way I treat myself and the character I develop by just taking that pose and thinking, well, how does this make me feel? What kind of character would stand like this will still make an impact in the way the character ultimately is portrayed. Yeah. I, I think let's, let's stop. Let me, let me jump in right here because yeah. I will often, and, and you know, I don't do actual plays very often, you know, but I do at the table, I will kind of, you know, I will, I will lean forward and kind of tilt my head or, or, you know, I will I will try and give some kind of embodiment to it, some yeah. mo- movement. Even if you're just changing the shape of your your back, you know you can change your voice or how you're perceived. Um, I have get done even to an extreme of like having you know getting up and like walking around the table for certain th- certain characters. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, in different ways and different. Uh, yeah, so posing or even just your hand gestures will 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 signify a certain person because you'll you'll be like, well, uh, Heinrich says, and then you, yes, why well, why would you not, you know? But yeah. I'm just I'm not even I'm just kind of leaning forward down, and that kind of but I'm emphatically gesturing with my hand, and that's Heinrich, right? Where yeah. if I just like leaning back. And going, sup, you know, <laughs> like just just giving giving permission to like kind of move around a little bit because I know a lot of GMs like they'll just sit at the table and they'll have their their pencil in one hand and they'll be making notes and they'll just be like, yeah, Heinrich is like really mad about this <laughs> and just like making notes about what's going on and I think when you set down the instrument and just like allow yourself to go, what does Heinrich want here? How is, would he, if you're like really, you know, on edge about something, you're typically leaning forward. And if he's really wants something, he's going to be leaning forward. You can kind of embody what the character wants. And it's, it's amazing what you kind of lose online gaming by not having that. But, you know, having that ability to like really give, give your whole body into uh, a thing and letting p- other people see you do that. I mean, you know, because I have a nice camera and I have lights and stuff, I, you can see what I'm doing a little bit better than if, but embodying that character with body motion is, I think a really easy, much easier way to remember how to do something. Cause you're, physical body remembers doing something when you're in a certain attitude more than your voice does. Absolutely. Physicality. My my voice has changed at least four times during this episode already. And I'm not even (laughs) trying like physicality is, is extremely important. You know, you're um, if you can see someone on a screen or you are uh, physically in person, not utilizing that is, Again, it's it's fine. You don't have to, of course, but it is a tool that can and and should be utilized if you want to. You know, when you go see an improv show, you typically don't see two people just stand there and be like, "I am funny character A. We are going on adventures together." No, there's you, it's, you've it's, clearly it's... gone to really good improv shows because there's some <laughs> very bad ones where that's kind of what they do. But you know, anyways. <laughs> But related to to physicality, I want to get into two of the weirder ones here, Uh, and they are animal and object. So object is something very similar to pose, but I find that it, it, it gives a different, it gives a different value. And while it is physical, it's a completely different kind of thing. So it's very easy with voices and poses and any of these to just run out of ideas. Like, to just think, I've done every pose under the sun. You haven't, but it's easy to think you have. Like when I was 
when I was mentioning poses earlier, I was like, I don't know what pose I'm going to do. I've got no idea. So another alternative is, is object. What is an object your character is interacting with and how? So for example, let's say the first object I could think of is just a big old basketball under my arm. Well, what kind of character is going to carry a basketball this way? So I can just be like, hey, man, you want to go uh, shoot some hoops or something? Like, I'm going to be a casual basketball guy. That's what I got under my arm. Or I, I imagine an orb in my hand. So, ah, so this guy is the kind of person who just admires this magical arcane object that they have. Well, I think with, the, with an object, it doesn't have to be an object they're interacting with directly. It's an object that they desire. It's an object that they think about. It's yeah. it's something that's part of their motivation, which I'm sure we're going to get into motivation. But like, it can be an object that's part of them. Like the sheriff always rests his hands hand on the butt of his gun, right? Yeah. So that you're you're not maybe doing the action of always resting your hand on on your hip when you know you're dealing you're playing as the sheriff. But you're just thinking about that while you're talking to the sheriff because he's always on edge, especially with dealing with PCs. Because we all know that at any moment, any sheriff dealing with PCs is just going to be dead. So <laughs> it's just part of the, the lifestyle of an NPC is especially one that's wary, you know, or, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and then the final one here, which is always, it, it's the toughest one. It's the one that even I'm, I'm a bit afraid to do at times is animal. And the reason is, is because it's, you got to break past the barrier of feeling silly, which I, is a very important barrier to get past. Once you get past that barrier, you're going to do a lot of great things. But essentially, it's start with an animal and start essentially acting like that animal. And your character is not going to be necessarily an animal or a furry or anything like that but it's basically taking that kind of mentality and and uh adapting it so for example let's say you know i wanna i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna start with a gorilla or something like that again i'm doing the same arm pose but you know (laughs) i'm gonna start with a gorilla well then very quickly I'm thinking, what's a gorilla? Well, gorillas, you know, kind of up like this, very in your face, not necessarily, but like I'm stereotypically very in your face, you know, very rough and burly. So I'm just going to be kind of a tough guy. And if you get in my way, I'm going to like, you're going to go down. Like, well, I've got this guy who now I can describe him as being very big and burly and like always kind of his arms raised ready for a fight. And when he walks, you know, he does the thing where his shoulders just sway back and forth so hard he could probably knock you onto the ground as he just swings from one side to the other. So I start with a monkey, but I end up with a human being by the end of all of it. And and that's a good way to maybe help inform your descriptions of the character. But I also think like when playing uh, uh, creatures... Because often, you know, in the games we run, there are uh, creatures that that may be fantastical, but like you can like, like, what if a beholder acted like a bird? <laughs> like, what if it, it was like it's it head deeply al- unsettling the the, uh, the eye in the center always kind of tilted like it wasn't like, you know how we we can like move the the flaps of, you know, our, our eyelids and stuff. But like what a beholder only has so I mean it has appendages that are kind of waving around. But what if it like what if each appendage like acted like a bird, right? Yeah. Right. So like not only can you use this animal thing for people, which there are people that are like owls, right? That they're they're very they're very hunched over and they're very like focused on one thing and. You can use this in any form, but I especially like imagining creatures to have some kind of naturalistic, and this kind of goes back into like dungeon naturalism and, and you know, some of this like Gygaxian, like, oh, there should be a whole ecosystem that supports this creature, right? Well, I kind of think of, well, the only examples I have of, of like, a amphibian or a lizard or actual amphibians and lizards so sometimes they'll have like you know 
I, I, I am doing like a puppet motion because I'm thinking of it like a little bit like a puppet, but like you could use your hand instead of like moving, you know, you could just use your hand as like, just, you know, talk to, talk to, this is the creature, right? It, <laughs> there's a reason that like Muppets are so expressive because the hand has so many positions that you can use to even possess uh, 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 emotion from yeah, just a hand movement or even using it as your, but like that sort of thing where you're like, you kind of like, and, and I will do this on the fly and I'll just kind of start like, oh, oh, this is a bird. This is a person that's like a bird. I don't think of it like that, but like I will end up going, okay, I'm kind of doing that. Like they're stayed and, and, you know, moving, they're always moving, but, focused on one point kind of thing absolutely so and i go ahead i really liked how you used your hand uh to represent the creature because an important part about physicality uh and this is a tool that is readily available online is that you are not your only source for creating npcs like uh, you don't have to embody a character with your whole body if your hand gives a better idea of like what the twitchy kind of feeling if you have you know a character who's rapidly moving around well maybe use your hand to represent that or use things like music you have on hand or or drawings or get a get a shadow puppet on the wall like um you're all all these npcs are ultimately made up anyway and you are finding a way to represent them in the real world so i just really like the way that when you were talking about those animals you weren't representing them with your whole body, but just with your hand. And that was a very different way of representing uh, the thing you were talking about. I mean, ultimately, playing an NPC to me is about entertaining myself. And <laughs> and if I'm entertained, then I'm assuming other people are entertained. They can tell me otherwise by hitting the X card or just being like, hey, dude, <laughs> cut that shit out. <laughs> right. But as a, as a game master, like if you're not having fun or at least enjoying the, uh, pl the playing of this character, then, you know, and, and you have to do, if you have to use them for more than once, like there's times when you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the ticket taker here. Give me yeah. your tickets. No ticket, you know? Uh, but like that sort of where you're, your you you need to enjoy your characters they're going on like thinking about their their pl their evil plans or their you know whatever it is you need to enjoy that cuz as a game master you're a player too you should enjoy it right absolutely yeah one of my big inspirations sometimes is just stealing a character outright from a show or an actor like if i'm i'm going to play like uh, Seth Bullock from Deadwood, like very, you know, like I'm walking around waiting for somebody to to piss me off so I can punch him in the face and swear at him a lot. You know, you know that just finding somebody that you like think like and you're never going to be like them. Right. You might be a good Im mimic, but you don't have to be just like if you assign, oh, this is Swearinger and uh, Swearingen and this is uh, the the. Uh, prim and proper east coast lady and you just like start stealing from your favorite uh media and reusing them and you're like oh i love this because they don't uh, they don't know that that's who this because we're clearly playing D, D, but i got swearingen uh being the king right <laughs> and swearing up a storm yeah it, you know is a total like a ball for me to do and I think it it's entertaining to watch people's faces, but they all seem to enjoy it anyways. So yeah, and and you you kind of hit on something where uh, that that I was thinking of, which was when you do an Im imitation is a great way for ideas for your game, for your characters, for voices, poses, whatever. And unless you're trying to do one that like everybody imitates, so you kind of know what a bad imitation sounds like, like. If I try to do a Yoda, 
you know, mm, if I Yoda tried to do like Ooh. you're going to th like that's a terrible Yoda. That's a terrible Yoda. But, you know, I'm trying to do Yoda because everybody's got a terrible Yoda impression. Right. Um, but a lot of other imitations of characters, of voices, of things, your players might not know the source. And because you can't perfectly imitate it, it actually makes something new. Uh, an example I like to think of randomly is and if you ever hear me say a phrase before i start speaking in a voice or something that's because i have specific phrases that i say to get me in the mindset of a character so there was some one character who i did in quest friends who was a very surly kind of angry person so i was like i don't know kind of like iago from the aladdin movie so i'll go iago and then i'll just kind of speak like this and i don't sound like iago but i sound like a character and that's like that's the the thing is that it doesn't matter that i did a good impression because i didn't and it doesn't matter that and it's good in fact in many cases that my friends and players don't know that i'm trying to imitate someone because i'm not i'm not trying to be gilbert godfried i'm trying to use that voice from aladdin to inform the voice that i'm giving this character and again it's not just a voice thing that's just the example that readily comes to mind for me yeah i think that the uh you know having phrases or or you know and usually i will like try to make it the key were the key like uh tick for the character and that's one of the things I like to do if it is I'll have a, a, a tick, a, 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 you know, or some stutter or something yeah. that, that that character will do. That's pretty much the first thing I will do as kind of that's the establishing thing. But I think I think, you know, playing NPCs is a lot of fun. Like the only thing that's not a lot of fun about NPCs is when you get two important NPCs in the same spot. And then they have to talk to each other to inform the players about what's going on, or they need it. They you bring you you're bringing the ambassador to the king, right? Well, <laughs> I have to play both the ambassador and the king. I mean, my pro tip is a lot of times I will like ro rope in a player, be like, "Look, okay, here's the information for this NPC." I'm going to play the king. You're going to play the ambassador. We're going to, we're going to, uh, and there are players that I will do this with. And I, I know that there are a lot of GMs that wouldn't let this, you know, flow out beyond themselves. But I think it's often better if you're willing to allow the player like here, here's some information before anybody else knows it. Please, you know, use this information in this conversation. And if I've done a good job, embodying this character that player will often use that embodiment like right away and yeah. make an amazing and it's an amazing conversation between two people your goal ultimately is to tell a fun and fulfilling story with your friends i mean at least that's my goal when i play uh, right. games so sometimes that does mean being hush hush about things because it's like oh man it's really going to impact everybody when they learn about this sometimes it means telling one person, like in your example, and in one of my, in the first season of Quest Friends, one of the characters needed to make a key decision because it crossed over with a different recording we had done months ago for a, like a side series. So I told one of the players, hey, if he doesn't come up with this idea, which I think he will, just like subtly nudge him, nudge him in that direction. And sometimes for me, it's been talking with the entire players. Like sometimes I've just been like, all right, this is basically what's going to happen this session. Heads up. Just so like everybody knows and they're potentially in the right mindset for it and, and this and that. Kind of a detour from NPCs, but uh, I your example I think was, was a really good example of, of utilizing a player to prevent you from talking to yourself while also not necessarily keeping everything hush-hush because... Sometimes it doesn't need to be right. And, and sometimes I'll even take an NPC and I'll have a scene I'll describe that has no players there 
like in a TV show, right? In a TV yeah. show, you get to see all the characters. Some characters don't know about some other things, right? I'll let the players just know, right? That this is already, this has happened. He's guilty, but you don't know. And my players are generally good enough. And they know now that they're, they're kind of steering towards an answer, but there's a lot of bumps and twists along the way, you know, and there may be exit, you know, uh, reasoning beyond what like you know you can see in that scene that makes it an interesting journey from here and there right yeah but yeah you're right i'm looking for more of a i'm entertaining the people at the table you're entertaining you're trying to make entertainment right? yeah and and i've definitely found when i was doing uh that sort of stuff that's kind of was a little bit of like okay this is generally how this is going to go because I think it's funnier this way. Let's not derail this in this other way that sometimes gets derailed. But yeah. uh, I, you know, I think the key to building an NPC and, and getting the player, getting it, and there may be NPCs that just no one gives a shit about. You've spent yeah. hours and hours and hours and hours like fleshing it out and making this background, which is why I prefer on the fly creation. Cause I didn't, you know, like I know I need this character, so I'll put a name on him and I'll maybe write a description, but I won't spend a lot of time on the background because there may be something that completely changes how that character goes as soon as they hit the, the screen or the, the, the table. Yeah. Um. So I, I often will just kind of like, let's see where that goes and then i'll be like okay then i can re redirect or the player comes up with a better idea than i ever would and like that's clearly the real answer now how good that you're able to guess that thing right no i i agree i do for me there is uh for me there is a cheat code for getting an important npc to be uh, accepted by by the party uh but for the most part i think the best mentality is an important npc is an npc the players care about yes like sometimes you get lucky and like you know of course especially since i do more of a of a a story structured thing or more of a for entertainment for other people i kind of gotta like I kind of got to not wing it, but I got, I got to hope, you know, I got to take a leap of faith every new NPC and be like every new big NPC and be like, Oh, they better care because like, I can't just have this person spontaneously disappear from, from a story perspective. Um, I mean, I can, there are workarounds, but even then, even in enter when I'm making it for entertainment, like with an actual play about half, I would say, about half of the important NPCs were the ones I used the quote-unquote cheat code on, and the other half were ones that just the players and I really like. So I was like, okay, well, they're still around then. All right, you can't me me uh, mention a cheat code and not tell secrets. So, so <laughs> the only, and in my opinion, and this is going to be one of those, and I put this in front of everything I say, because this is for my style of play, this is for my players, and I'm going to make big the only, always, never, which for many tables just it doesn't sure, apply. Sure. But um, for me, the only NPCs that matter are, or the ones that matter the most, are the ones the players care about. So the way to get an important NPC, uh, an important NPC to stay important, is to make them somebody your players will automatically want to care about. And the way I do that is typically just, ho-ho, here's a character who is extremely important to your PC. Like, here's a character who, uh, you know, oh man, here's a, here's a childhood friend of yours, or here's a character who, this is the man who killed your father, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be that extreme. Like, this is the per you know this is this is a good teacher at your school who you see a lot just basically making them important to the pc 
uh i mean it's something that's gonna have that's gonna matter in general but i found that for my players who for players who don't necessarily latch on to npcs that is a way to get them to to care and it also just usually again for at least the players i work with it usually gets them further invested because they care about their plot they care about what's going on and this character brings these interesting things there plus if you tell the pc about them beforehand a little bit they get to have some fun fleshing out that character and even even if the player doesn't say much because some of my players give me like a couple of details and say you come up with the rest they still get that bit of authorship which at least i found if i introduce a character that has that kind of significance the pc that is linked to them will immediately glomp onto that npc and be like yes this person is mine i will protect them with my life Sure. And I sort of did this actually just recently on I, I've, I've been running the uh, the sci-fi game I've been talking about for those that have been listening for like, uh, you know, six months. I've been trying to figure out what system I'm going to run it. I'm not going to get into that. But yeah, uh, basically, I was like, I'm just going to throw an idea to my player and then they're going to tell me a thing, a leading question, as it were. So. Uh, I asked, I asked the player like, so who got kicked out of the service that you were in? Who did you get kicked out of the service you were in? And why are they staring at you right now across the, uh, across the Medina? Oh, that's fun. Right. So then they'll be like, oh shit. Like, cause they're, you know, they're, 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 I'm bringing the background in, but I didn't, they didn't say that in their background. But it's it's about like it going, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's Anders. Clearly Anders uh and I were shooting off illegal fireworks and he got caught and I didn't. Or whatever. That's fun. Yeah, right? yeah I like that. So just like ask like you know that you need to make them care because what I wanted them to do is chase this guy, right? I wanted to just chase this guy. Of course, the chase failed immediately because he couldn't roll the it very well, but he did find a clue that the character dropped, which was the thing he was going to find out if he would chase the guy and caught yeah. him. Right. Never hide the clues. Always give the players the clues. Don't, I, don't. I could go on a whole rant about, we, we could do a whole, sh- we could do a whole show about that, <laughs> but just saying don't make the role about the clue, make it about, how you got it or where you're or how well they got it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm going to bring that person back and I'm going to use them for uh, in, in they're connected to the storyline because I dropped a story clue because they dropped a data pad and they figured out how to unlock it and all that stuff. So if you go, Hey, th- I need a, I need a PC that, that, like the players are going to be like, Oh shit, really? Then I'm going to like, okay, this person needs some spotlight time. I'm going to ask them a leading question. They're going to go, Oh, they're going to come up with a thing, a name at least just, that's all I really need. But if they come up with more, then I can build on it from there as, as things go along. So to me, making npcs is also a cooperative game yeah uh it's not necessarily not necessarily improv i mean it is improv but it's more about like i have a piece of the puzzle sitting right here i need that piece of the puzzle to kind of move in a certain way and the only way that's going to happen is if this play if a player because like i'm not it'd be really boring if he just like walked up and like handed somebody a data pad or like yeah you know it, it it it's immediate and there and you can do it with just like, okay, I need to give them this. How do I give them this? Oh, if they see somebody that they're maybe negatively emotionally attached, not positively emotionally attached, right? Not to kill your father, but so much as like, Oh, that was my high, that was my high school bully, you know, like, you know, whatever it is, right. That way of building an NPC can, immediately entangle somebody 
if you if you can work in the character's backstory, if like somebody's actually written a backstory, which yeah. I almost think no none of my players do anymore because we've all kind of switched to more improv stuff. But like, the, yeah. Uh, but I will. It's it goes back to the powered by the apocalypse way, as I like to think of it, <laughs> because in those it'll be like ask leading questions, and I think once you start asking leading questions at in session zero, you can create amazing npcs for later use you ask leading questions just like randomly off the cuff like hey who was your uh crush in grade school cool 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 all right the captain comes on the screen guess what your crush is now on the screen as a captain of the other ship yeah that's (laughs) you know (laughs) leading questions are very helpful it's uh there it's used for settings in the paint the scene mechanic in brindlewood bay and I find that they're much more effective than just give me a vague thing. Like, give me a character important to your backstory. Some people will have one, but your example, it helps give a specific vibe already. Um, and it's like, uh, and Brindlewood Bay, when they use it for settings, use it specifically for enhancing settings, you know? Kind of like, in a session I just did, it featured a, a 19-year-old trillionaire, and they went into his office. So I said... Describe how this room is both extremely rich and also definitely done by a teen who like <laughs> doesn't talk to anybody because he's a trillionaire. Right. Um, but something you you touched on, which I think when I mentioned the quote unquote cheat code, I didn't mention is that you cannot I cannot understate the importance of pettiness and bringing back character actions because the examples you used were not here are big disastrous things a ki- someone you had a crush on somebody who you know got kicked out of this thing you were in um now there will you want to know what your players care about and oftentimes they might care about big plot things but they will oftentimes be invested in those small personal things about the their characters and if you come in with some guy who's like, yes, I knew your father related to the great prophecy of 1907. And the characters don't care about this because the prophecy, sure, it relates to your characters, but it's more of a big plot thing. Even though it supposedly relates to the PCs, it's still relating to your story. So it's not necessarily going to work. But if it relates to a big plot thing a character cares about, or in the examples you gave, something more personal and humanizing, um, not only do I think that's a unique way of latching onto a character, but it also doesn't ascribe so much significance to them. You know, like if the childhood crush, if the player ended up not caring about that, for example, if they're like, I don't care about Catherine, the who's now a terrible, like, dread pirate then the character can go on their way but i know for me as a player with pretty much any of my characters if you had that small connection i'd care about it even more than some big plot connections at time because i'm like wow here's something really personal and fun to explore with my character yeah and thinking because basically the 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 game i'm running is the expanse but not the expanse yeah and thinking to the expanse where one of the characters is intimately tied to basically the npc the biggest npc in the the game right because that was based on a a campaign and basically one character was had the child of the basically the big, big bad for a couple seasons and the drama of their connection heightens the whole thing right yeah but you have to make it's got to be about that personal connection first for that character because if it's because they at one point thought like the other guy right they were part of that other guy's thing right and that can be be better for the big backstory but you really don't learn about this till like two seasons in right (laughs) it's it's like you don't know until you be like well yeah you used to you know used to be going out with the big bad guy (laughs) and then it builds from there right yeah and and 
making it personal, I think is often a good way to, but you don't want to overdo it, right? Because yeah. you know, if you overdo it, you get what I call the modern Star Wars effect, where everything in Star Wars is connected to one person, right? Because everything revolves around that one person in the more modern Star, uh, Star Wars movies, not the TV shows necessarily, but the the movies. And it's made, to me, the most expansive one of the most expansive universes just thinking about it kind of a very small place because you keep going back to the same places that were important to that person. You keep coming back to the same people that are important to that person. And, and that can be good for an intimate feel, but if you're going for a epic (laughs) science fiction thing, maybe you want to go places that like have hundreds of people you've never met, never seen and never seen the like of. Right. But there, you know, we it's a it's a careful balance of weaving the personal with the genre you're in. Or absolutely, if you're doing a very intimate genre, then yes, everybody should be connected, also super tight, right? But you got to crack that open if you're doing something that is big and epic. You've got to expand out and then make personal connections after they meet the person yeah is- and i the the last thing you said was what i stuck stuck out with me because let's say your characters don't have a big backstory or let's say you don't want to have this person be connected to a previous npc a uh, previous pc that makes a lot of sense um you can still connect them with uh with one of my favorite phrases which is well 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 is if it isn't the consequences of my own actions, <laughs> like you want to enter, like you want to. I remember one of one of my favorite new NPCs, which actually he wasn't the fan. He wasn't the the player's favorite that session. The player's favorite was actually just a throwaway one that I did like a silly voice for and gave like a fun personality. Because again, you still never know what players will attach themselves to. But it was the players had done this thing and our our game is kind of like a cartoon so you know you don't really you know you could cause the apocalypse and next week everyone would act like the status quo was still there because that's how these cartoon shows work well one of them a character came up who was uh essentially created as a consequence of a previous session and by virtue of just having the character's actions come back to in this case it was an antagonist but just come back to face them uh was just really fun and even if they didn't latch onto the npcs they latched onto the plot that created um well it's and- it just like i was i was watching wrath of khan star trek 2 wrath of khan <laughs> the other day in 35 millimeter gorgeous by the way but uh it's literally a, a re- sequel to an episode of the original series that's almost a throwaway episode with Ricardo Montalban leading a bunch of genetically engineered humans from 1990s Earth. Right? I was so surprised when I watched it and I was like, wait, this is a sequel? Yes. Well, I mean, it is a sequel, but like, you, you know what I mean by surprised it was a sequel. <laughs> right. It is. It is kind of shocking to be like, wait. But they've already got history, right? They've yeah. already had the, the. Everyone is shocked. Like, wait, what do you mean that planet sucked? Like, there's like a great ending where like he did what he thought the best thing to do, which everybody else is like, no, kill the dude. Like, literally, I've got a gun in my room. We'll just <laughs> kill the guy and be done with him. And Kirk is like, no, no, no. This guy deserves a chance to prove he's right. But he's going to have to do it in the in in his philosophies, Ayn Randian, like Superman, like, nope, you're all getting dumped on that planet and you're going to go figure it out yourselves. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, that fucking sucked. <laughs> We're good. And now we have this big, like, emotional, like, oh, I thought I did something for you, you know when you bring those characters back that you maybe like had a one-off and they become a bigger person, like it can often be this like emotional resonance is already kind of built in. And that's the advantage 
of playing longer games, especially with like PBTA, right? Because PBTA, yeah. like, and, and those style games where you're making this up of the fly, you're kind of building the lore as you go. It it lends towards like, oh, in the like thirtieth episode, if you come back to the the town that you like fix the well in and all of a sudden there's like the little kid is now the warlord you know you you're like instantly oh i i I thought i told you better than that timmy like you know but uh damn it i just made a timmy down the well joke (laughs) all right (laughs) that's 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 how they die you know kick him down the well at the end of the session this is sparta and you know he's kicked timmy down the well and that's well how kicked lassie off to bark at you anyway uh so yeah i i think that having that previous connection and bringing it forward like where there was just a little spark but it wasn't like it was a tough decision but you made it and then and then that reversal of that decision that's why that movie is so fantastic by the way it's like it's just and do you know that they're making a sequel a, a, a podcast between the episode and the movie I did not the, know that. The, the, That's the, interesting. Written by the original director. Anyways, it, cool. it's I'm on board, 100% on board. <laughs> but uh, so that's to me making a good NPC has there's many vectors to make a good NPC, and, and making it personal is one of those that's my favorite. Absolutely. But you can press that button a little too hard. Because it can get rejected right away. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no I even though I called it a cheat. If it's overused, they're gonna get sick of it. Just like um, cutting to seeing what the villains are doing can or another NPC is doing can be really fun. You do a cliffhanger at the end of every episode. It's not just it's just how episodes end, for example. And I'm speaking in episodes, of course, because I do uh, a podcast. But no, I agree. I think if you push that too hard. Uh, it's more likely to get rejected, honestly, and you can't count on it working. Ultimately, you need to respond to how the players respond, and you... Ultimately, if you're having fun with an NPC, they're still fine to keep around, but you can't assume... I, I would not put a plot around an NPC until I know that there's there they are somebody everybody wants to stick around. Yeah, um, I mean you can that that could be debated forever. I feel like as long I feel like as long as you're having fun and it's good. I mean I understand you know your entertainment's a little different yeah. than what I'm doing normally, but like I think if you're having fun then someone else, as long as someone else around the table is also having fun at the same, like it's not just a punishment for everyone. Every time yeah. you bring this character out, because you can tell, right. You can be like, everybody's just like sitting back, like head back or like looking at their phone or whatever. Or, uh, you know, you can get the, you can read the room and you can kind of tell, but like in the, at the end of the day, if you're playing a game for everybody around the table, you're part of it. And that's kind of where I end up anyways. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you can't, you can't force pe- players to actually like anything you do. It's just not, <laughs> oh, but, if you want that, just go write a book and then find an audience. Like, <laughs> but you're, you're absolutely right. And I think you, you corrected me in a very good way. Cause oftentimes, oftentimes the worst a player is going to think of an NPC is neutral. Like, oftentimes the worst is going to be, oh, okay, they're there. I don't really have any strong feeling towards them. And there, in, in my experience with NPCs like that, players will not resent having that NPC around unless you then make your plot revolve around, you must care about this character and their well-being. And they're like, I don't, I don't care about that. I mean... Though. I, I do do manipulative things where I try to make people care, but I kind of know where a lot of people's like I ideas they love are at around the table. Yeah. Right. But that's, but that's part of the subtlety of being a good improv person is just kind of like, I know that the audience tends to like fart jokes, 
So I'm going to do a fart joke here, but I'm going to make it about the flowers. Not about, you know, it, it, that's a bad example, but that's kind of like the audience, knowing your audience, building up a rapport. I mean, doing it at a con is like the ultimate, like one shots at a con where you don't know anybody is like, and getting people into what you're doing is kind of the ultimate level of getting people to care about your thing. But like, oftentimes I'll just build it as an action movie anyways. So we're just going to, we're on this rocket ship to Mars and things are going to happen and we're all going to have a good time, but you can have, you know, really deep uh, conversations as an NPC during that rocket ship to Mars, if you really want to. So, And I think the thing you mentioned that was really important is being responsive. NPC adoption is real. It happens to me as a GM. It's happened to me as a player. Uh, And if you notice that there is someone that you're on the flip side of the coin, because I've talked a lot about what if they don't like the character that you've created on the flip side, if you have made an NPC that your players love, that is a gift for you to play with. Like, yeah, look, if Bobo the Grop Goblin becomes like the PC's because fa- this happens to everybody. Like you play yeah. a kobold or a goblin or something dumb. Kobolds are great. Yeah. And you you play something dumb and all of a sudden it's the PC's favorite character. Right? And like, well, okay, let's develop Bobo the Goblin and and figure out how to use him to you know, cuz he's a goblin. So maybe he's going to be playing people off of each other. Like he's going to be smarter than they realize. And they're going to be, he's going to be playing people off of each other. Right. Or something else, you know, it doesn't have to be mischief like that. That's maybe a stereotype. You don't have to play into, but you use what people are attracted to. Now you can also be like, I'm going to X card my own NPC. Like, sorry. Yeah. You definitely don't. If you don't love your care, if you don't love the character, everyone else loves, then it is not a character. Everyone loves. Right. And you can just be like, okay. And then he's beheaded by the next giant or whatever you fight, whatever, whatever it is. Right. The, the, and that can be effective in its own way. Yes, it absolutely can. But, you know, you don't don't use that too hard. Right. Because you can yeah. be co- you know, if you're like, well, I really hate this NPC, but I'm going to like lay it on and the players are going to get suckered in and I'm going to cut their heads off. And then, you know, give them a Dobby gets a sock and he gets, you know, whatever yeah. uh, that that can only backfire pretty hard if you do it too much or too hard. Absolutely. So so, you know temper it a little bit and hey if the players are all like in love with this thing then find a way to either flip it corrupt it or (laughs) or use it in some way you can do it somehow that you're having fun too and hopefully the players can respect that you're like well i'm also telling a story about like the illithids uh taking over the world right yeah (laughs) Like, I just want to hang out with Bobo the Goblin. Like, okay. <laughs> my my favorite example of an adopted NPC comes from a, a quest friend session we did mid-season. It was uh, Girl Underground, which is a fairy tale-like game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a guy who was like a monster slayer. And he had a rad, he had a tricycle with like flames on the side. Because he was it, he was basically trying to ride it like it was a hot rod, but it was a tricycle. Okay. Anyways, long story short, we killed a guy. Um, wasn't intentional. It was a mixed success gone wrong. Uh, and then we all just decided this tricycle is ours. The tricycle was, in fact, sentient, which is why I call it an NPC. And it was... it. The, the GM did basically <laughs> say, thank you, this guy was very mean and, and, like, abusive. Thank you for freeing us. And we're like, do you want to come along? And the tricycle was like, hell yeah. So I want to make it clear... The tricycle was on board with it before we said, all right, we're going to take this thing for a spin. But, um, okay. It, it was, okay. It was a friend. It just happened to be a tricycle. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, closing thoughts here. 
you know, you don't have to do any of this shit as long as you're having fun. Yeah. That's my, but I think it's best if you can, you know, find what the audience you're using, whether it's the internet or your home group or whatever, find what the audience likes, but what you like too can be really rewarding, but also like, you got it. You got to bring your needs into this too. Like <laughs> that's my closing thoughts. Yeah. For me, it's, um, think of feedback as gifts. I made a mistake a lot of times this uh, episode of referring to things in terms of, Oh, if they don't like this, well, maybe you should stop doing it and like try something else or like, well, maybe, you know, there's no guarantee they'll like this, but it's very easy to get down on the stuff that you do if you think in terms of that, but your players are playing a game with you for a reason. They're having fun with you and your NPCs are a part of that. So in NPCs or anyone else kind of off of what was just said, think in, think of the gifts, think of the things that people, people like they call, you know, the safety mechanic stars and wishes where you talk about something you like and something you want that doesn't include negatives for a reason spiral off of the things that you know the players are interested in and the things that they like about your NPCs and you know don't do the same thing over and over but embrace those gifts and you'll naturally be making games that are more fun for everybody including yourself yes so thank you Kyle uh, for coming on the show I really appreciate it uh tell everybody about your uh podcast one more time yeah so i run quest friends quest friends is an actual play podcast where with an exclamation point quest friends with an exclamation point is an actual play podcast where five best friends myself included explore friendship and family through silly settings and other fun things our first season which is completely done uh is a numenera season so it takes place one billion years in the future it's got a lot of fun characters like an extremely petty magician uh a an angry globe man that sounds like me imitating gilbert godfried (laughs) and a robot cicada who knows your every fear um that's completely done as long as you're okay with the rough audio early on it's a tough it's a fun time our current season quest friends hereafter takes place in a world where the realm of the dead is only a plane ride away uh it's inspired by cartoons like the uh like it's inspired by cartoons like the owl house and gravity falls and amphibia and uses a homegrown powered by the apocalypse game that's also got a bunch of fun npcs we've got uh the skeleton of gregory rasputin who is very upset that uh, Nicholas Romanov won't teach him children's magic. Uh, We've got a character named Lucas Bang, whose name only exists because my friends really like the name Lucas Bang, going back to that idea of a name can make a big impact on a character. Uh, And then it's also got pure sweet Rondelite, who is a phantom thief that just wants to celebrate her birthday. Um... So yeah, if you like, and if any of that sounds interesting, you can check out questfriendspodcast.com. Uh, but thanks so much for having me on to talk NPCs. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you being on. Uh, if you would like to know more about Full Metal RPG, fullmetalrpg.com has a, is a link tree to our YouTube, Patreon, uh, buy a t-shirt. Uh, full metal rpg sucks t-shirt i don't remember if that's still for sale or not but there, <laughs> there there's a there's a bunch of there's a few t-shirts up there working on some other stuff uh come on the discord the discord is the best place we got the facebook we got the instagrams i do those sparingly but come on the discord hang out talk about weird npcs or just you know uh, talk about we got a miniature section we got uh talk about books we were talking about weird fiction books today i was recommending crime novels to somebody like uh shout out alex uh and if you're a patron there's a secret patron area on the discord that we could hang out i didn't ask any question this week because i was kind of short on time uh when i finally figured out what i was doing so <laughs> uh apologies to all the patrons but I love you all, 
including those that have had to step back. I love you still. You know who you are. But we've had a little bit of a, a step back in the in the Patreon. And I just want to hear, you know, what you're thinking uh, before I get the Patreon notification. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciate you all. Go out there and make excellent NPCs. Or come and t- come to Discord and tell me how wrong I am about the way I'm making NPCs. And either way is completely fine by me. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Rah!